Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like a Dell. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrency. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show, the Bitcoin show. Bitcoin podcast episode 201. I'm your first host, Marcello, and I'm host number two, D. And we got a midweek for you, yeah. It's another midweek. Corey couldn't join us on this midweek, he's a bit uh, decapacitated at the moment, incapacitated at the moment. That makes it sound like something bad happened. Uh, he's he was doing he's doing a demo thing, doing work stuff, I guess. What do we call? got drunk <laughs> Corey got too drunk to do the show today I don't it would have been fun if he would have came on a little, little it's not like he's a word slur you yeah know? I think we typically talk talk about deep things even when we are wasted so yeah I'm I don't mind being vulnerable to the to the listeners if I was mm-hmm. a little drunk so let's talk about some crypto stuff. What do you want to talk about, man? Uh, What's on the docket? I don't know, man. I, I've been I've been seeing like uh, how do you pronounce OMG? Omizigo. 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 They've been up. They updated their roadmap. Fun. Uh, fun fair updated their roadmap. I feel like we're really close to seeing a lot of uh, tangible efforts forming. Not Me just too. Paperware and, and white papers. So. Uh, Me too, man. It yeah. feels like all these years of talking and all these years of discussion are finally starting to see some fruition. You know, we have these huge bits of news that go out that people just ignore, like Binance making more money than like traditional trading firms in a quarter than they've like in one quarter than any traditional trading firm has ever made in one quarter. Um. Start to see things like Goldman Sachs has opened up trading desks. You see things like Warren Buffett talking out of his ass, and then his dis- disciple refuting him. Um, I don't know how to say the man's name. It is a very Indian name, and I don't want to be racist sounding if I try to pronounce it. But he comes out and he refutes Warren Buffett. Um, you basically have people just scrounging over trying to open trading desks. It's like everything we've spoken of the past three years is coming to fruition. That's good. <coughs> yeah. Baby boomers love Warren Buffett, though, man. Yeah, they do. I don't know. Warren Buffett, is he a baby boomer? I think he's a little bit older than a baby boomer, right? Is he's it? 90, right? So, like, baby boomers are in their 50s to 60s? No, 50s to 70s? Yeah, he's 87. So he's not even a baby boomer. So Well, they're going to they're gonna miss out on one of the greatest transfers of wealth the world has ever seen. You almost looked sincere when you said that. Although the world 
you gotta say what the the world, the world. has ever seen. Do you think Warren would? Do you think Warren would be upset when he uh, when he learns more about the space and then he then he wants to? Yeah, then he like yeah. attempts to correct what he perceived yeah. to be misconceptions. In a world where Warren Buffett realizes he's actually being a jackass about something that's totally revolutionary, starring Tom Hanks, yeah, and <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Anyways. That's a movie. Yeah, man, I was I, I was liked reading, that like, voice. I was reading like this, uh, like uh, this fantasy scenario where like Warren Buffett criticized the crypto community, saying that people shouldn't get upset just because he publicly voiced his opinion. But imagine if the tables were turned, and let's just say crypto is now mainstream, and Satoshi was now publicly known and active in the space. So then Satoshi. You know, someone with a lot of clout just unloads a crap ton of criticism on Warren Buffett's investments. So now you have the baby boomers versus Gen X and millennials, and you have kind of this war on which economy is better, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But people are going to protect where their value is, man. And right now, it seems like millennials are going to move towards digital assets, and we will protect our digital assets. So. Well, Warren Buffett's argument is the same as any old ass person. They they don't like crypto because it's lack of intrinsic value or it's a non-productive asset. Um, you know, he would never buy gold, raw land, or foreign currency because he does not view them as investments either. You know, in his view, um, businesses or income-producing real estate are investments because they produce mm-hmm. yield in addition to appreciation. So if you're investing in gold or Bitcoin, you're just hoping the next guy will be willing to pay more for it than you did. So he's like, no. Yeah, but that's if you think it's a greater fools kind of thing. I don't think it is. Not everything is yeah. greater fools that you don't understand. Everybody says that. Yeah. I mean, he missed out on the whole uh, Google Amazon thing because he didn't get technology. And I, think well, I guess people are still that. buying Google because there's – the the bigger fool than the person who already owns it is that what he's trying to say? Yeah. And then all these dumb companies saying they're going to take down Facebook. And what did Facebook do this week? Oh, they're studying blockchain. You dumb idiots! And now they're going to kill you. Yep. In a world, I kind of just like saying that. I'm going to stop though. So, um, hey, you saw Infinity Wars? You like? It? I did. I kind of feel like when a movie makes a billion dollars worldwide, you can go ahead and start spoiling it. Yeah, but there's still some people in my family that haven't seen it, so I can't spoil it yet. But they don't listen to this show. Hey, guys, next time you go to Lowe's and you look at the mulch, you're going to have a whole new whole new perspective on it. <laughs> uh, it's going to be weird when you shout out Zoe Saldana from now on. Oh, man, I'm so sad. We, all right, we can't spoil this for people who haven't seen it and listen to our show. All right. Um, Just, but, but what are you doing? Like, see the movie. God, okay. Yeah, like, what the hell, man? It's like you're missing the greatest crossover event in the history of time. Yeah. My brother still hasn't seen The Dark Knight, and he keeps telling me not to tell him what happens. And I'm like, all right. He's, like, always 10 years behind. You should say, spoiler alert, Bat- Batman wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
What do you want to well, talk about? In particular, I mean, I tend to want to talk about like more philosophical things and and more long term things because I, I think if you think like if you could think successfully three years out, then you always put yourself in a position to root to reap benefits from your strategies or your tactics if you if you think that far ahead or if you project that far ahead. And so last year we had the great onslaught of ICOs, right? Initial coin offering. And now it's to the point in the industry where if you say ICO, people think like, oh God, what's this guy selling me? But the fact remains is that when it comes to raising money quickly, you could do it with an ICO. And if you have a good product, then and you have a good team and you can't find finance. And what, why is it any different than crowdfunding? What makes ICOs so bad? I guess what I'd like to start is the bigger conversation is like, how do we evolve the ICO to a point where it's not, it doesn't have such a negative, a bad taste in people's mouths? You have to wait for someone with power and influence to get scammed by one before they will be regulated. But I'm not talking about specifically about regulation. I mean... Can someone do an ICO and not be looked at as like a scam piece of shit? No, I mean, VC-backed projects can completely fail too. Traditional VC projects, they can be scams. It's, it's You got to do your own research and figure out which ones are scams and which ones aren't. And yeah, then meanwhile, true. regulations impede the progress of the industry. Yeah. But three three fourths of ICOs are scams, you know. But at the same time, like you said, it's easier to raise money with an ICO than a traditional venture capital. In a world, sorry, I'm going to be saying that a lot. Um, but but you know what? Like maybe ICOs are a hundred times easier to raise capital because they ignore regulations that are meant to protect people. So maybe you can't have one without the other. So you have to have the bad to have to for the opportunity to have the good. Is what you're saying, essentially. Yeah, you have to you have to ask yourself why these regulations even exist in the first place. Mm. To do that, I've always wondered that though, because there's, you know, signs don't go up because people aren't doing the wrong things. Like, for instance, have you ever seen like a, a set of stairs and then at the top of the stairs, it's like, be careful, you're going to slip because you knew, you know, that somebody tried to walk down those stairs and they fucked up and they slipped and somebody broke their leg and there was a lawsuit. And now that's put a sign at the top of the stairs. It's be careful when you go walk yeah. down these stairs. Yeah. So you got to like it would take a long time and a lot of history checks to go back and peel back the laws that the SEC and the CFTC have put in place to figure out why those regulations exist in the first place and if ICOs just instantaneously usurp that or not usurp it but um make it irresolute and moot then you almost have to go backwards. It's like, well, you leap so far out of the box, you got to reel it back in. Yeah, I'm just kind of spitballing ideas, but I do think that the ICO is going to fall. I, for one, think it's going to move towards the DICO. 
which is where you have to encode milestones into the actual smart contract. And when you meet those milestones, then it releases the funds to people. I think it gives people more of a sense of buy-in. And if there are people with skill sets and they can't help and they do own the tokens, they're definitely going to buy in more if their efforts, you know, if you see not only a salary, but you see like, oh, every single time we hit a milestone, I get more of these tokens. Right. What happens if you don't get the milestone? Then you don't get the tokens and the project fails. Dog. Yeah, I know. It's harsh. It's just a like different it. way to incentivize. I like ICOs because they incentivize. They're, they're designed to help you incentivize because if you get all this money, you don't do shit. Like, imagine right now if IPFS filed coin, they got all that money and then just did nothing. Which Token goes to nothing. Happen. Yeah. It's very interesting projects we're doing here in the crypto space. I hope I hope like intellectuals and academics are studying all this stuff. All right, last thing I want to talk about is women and blockchain. We talked about uh, race mm-hmm. with uh, Chris DeRose. Now I want to talk about uh, some gender stuff. Are you are you for the gender segregation of uh, these? Uh, Did you just ask me if I'm for gender segregation? That's such a loaded question. That's like such a Republican tactic. It is a loaded question. It's just like, hey, we want more women to be in the space. So instead of men opening women with open arms, women are going to form their own blockchain meetups and groups in order to do what? Uh, That's what I'm lost on. Yeah, I shouldn't uh, say that's such a Republican tactic because that's just politics in general. Is like adding loaded, asking loaded questions. Oh. Um, you you be getting a lot of uh, perspective from uh, Bitcoin Bay. She's uh, holding meetups, you know, mm-hmm. pretty daily. So uh, I don't know. Phil, maybe you could speak on it. Um, you know me, man. I think that it takes targeted effort to initialize like a movement within certain groups of people that aren't involved with that thing. That's all like, I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, the door is totally open, but it's one thing to like crack it open or make, put a sign outside that says the door is over here or make it more accessible is, I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And is that, you know, like if something starts in small ranks and has to get bigger, then you've got to make an extended effort to certain people who can't see it. I mean, it's kind of like a, isn't it kind of like, I guess to get my, to my words right, is that it's not just enough to say it's an open clubhouse. Yeah. If it, if you say it's an open clubhouse and it doesn't feel like an open clubhouse to people, you've got to go out of your way to make it feel like an open clubhouse. I can agree with that. And that's what I that's what I feel about these significant events that people say it's racial segregation. People get bent out of shape about like ginger segregation. It's segregation and and nobody's saying women can't be in blockchain. I mean, yeah, that's true. Um but if you're looking at like you know, a collection of things and one of those things is not like the others, you're like, "Whoa, how come there's only like one of those things?" Yeah, you know, you're, it's gonna pique your interest. You're gonna start to ask questions. It's gonna, you know, so and 
at the very, very end of the day, mass adoption is the only thing that matters. And um, I think women are always a part of mass adoption of things. It's just me talking out of my ass. I agree. I agree. Do we have a, I mean, you know, obviously we're about to invite a female on the show to give us um, the lowdown. Mm-hmm. But before we do, um, do we have to talk about CryptoPub or anything like that? Yeah. CryptoPub. So CryptoPub, it's an e-magazine. It's an electronic magazine where you can get stories across across all realms of blockchain wantings. Trading, headlines, technical advice. They do all of the things. You subscribe, you get one year free. The next year, you pay $99. Yeah, I know. $99 for a year is a lot, you say. Um, but how much is peace of mind really worth when you ask yourself? You $99 worth. $99 a year, baby. That's how much peace of mind is worth. <laughs> so the first year is free. The second year they're going to charge you, um, but only if you don't change your credit card in that year's time. Uh, if you do change your credit card, you're going to get an email from them that says, hey, your payment didn't process. What's the deal, bro? You need to change your credit card information. You're going to go, oh, fuck, again. So you're going to go to the website, and you're going to put change your credit card information, and then they're going to charge you $99. Uh, by the way, banks, if you send me a new debit card, how about you just, you know who I'm paying money to. How about you just go on ahead and change my, uh, my freaking credentials in the websites too. So my services don't send me all these nasty grams or like, Hey, we can't process the payment. What's going on with the debit card? And I'm like, Oh yeah, they freaking sent me a new one out of blue. Here's the new information. Like it's just a pain point banks. Some yeah, send, send the card when it expires, not when I have two years left, because they do that to me, too. Well, and no, then, sometimes they have the, like, we've we've detected fraud, and we're going to send you a new card. And you're like, what? Okay. And then you get the new card, and nothing works in your life anymore. And you're like, oh, God, now i got to go put this new card up. I use Chase, and um, Eric Voorhees tweeted out that Chase closed his account without warning. I can't I can't let that happen to me. That would ruin my life at the moment. <laughs> like all my bills are like auto, uh, auto paid through Chase. Would you be like, no? Yeah. Voorhees <laughs> is a billionaire. So he's like, oh, I'll just change the yacht. Let me be all right. But me, yeah. it's like, I can't afford that. And it seems like these things happen at random. So. Yeah. A millionaire. That guy's a billionaire. I think he's got to be, right? Uh, stemming by how hot his girlfriend was at DevCon, he's got a lot of money. <laughs> That's so mean, man. We can't talk like about women and stuff, and then you just objectify him like that in one swoop. You just eradicated everything positive. She, she was she was not a woman in blockchain. She was a I would like to be on his yacht. Oh, that's the specifier. If it's not a woman in blockchain, then objectification is the route you can take. <laughs> and with that, we invite Kelsey on the show. That is such a smooth transition. Right after the objectification, we would like to. <laughs> Anyways, it's a midweek, guys. You know, we kick it slow. Um, join the Slack. 
look forward to this weekend's episode that comes out and look forward to the video. Uh, probably won't get video on this midweek because it's been messing up as I've been recording. Sorry. Uh, but um, what else do we do that we should plug before we cut to the interview, Chell? Uh, yeah, join the Slack. The Slack is, is a really good place. Uh, uh, I woke up this morning and just notifications all over the place. It is like a really, really active community. Um, and uh, also the the reason why Kelsey's on the show, there is a reason. The Blockchain Plus Women Initiative is, is really cool, and it's going on this week. And she's Women also, Plus Blockchain. Women Plus Blockchain. And she's a pioneer in the blockchain landscape, entering the scene as, as an early investor and a participant in the, the crypto economy. And she kind of she leads her expertise to blockchain-related event strategy, marketing communication. So she puts all of this on. Uh, and you know she's a founder. Uh, she's worked and advised startups of various stages as well as multinational companies. And she's an active board member. Like she knows her stuff. And she was just nice enough to come on the show and talk with us. Yeah. So uh, when this is over, you know, check us out on Twitter and Facebook and Stitcher and Google Play and Spotify and iTunes and all that good stuff. We're everywhere. Yeah, buddy. Well. E- Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Well, you just heard us on the round table, but we're here for another interview. Um, and we are joined today uh, by the lovely Kelsey Gossaran, the founder of Trellis, a speaker, writer, blockchain evangelist, uh, co-founder of Women Plus Blockchain, organizer of Blockchain Week, um, I'm pretty sure I could just keep going and going and going, but welcome to the show, Kelsey. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. So we got to have the Genesis story. We need to know, like, so so your background, professional, maybe slash personal, and like how that intersected with blockchain, Bitcoin, you know, what was the, the story uh, you know, that brought you on ramped into crypto? Yeah. Um, so the aha moment came a couple years ago and um, I was dabbling into crypto as um, an investor. And I say investor with the little I. Um, I, I wasn't funneling large amounts of money into the space. It was more out of curiosity. And um, I had a had friends who were working a consensus and telling me about this new blockchain called Ethereum and that I, I need to get involved in this. And um, I, you know, kind of, you know, ignored it, but it became like this kind of like a, like a, a fly, just kind of an annoying fly, just buzzing around. And um, I like to say I was bullied into um, investing in Ethereum and, um, and I did, and it it worked out for me, but it really um, got me interested because Ethereum was, I, I think, the blockchain that built a platform around this um, this technology. And um, I started geeking out on the implications, the real-world implications uh, for blockchain and what was happening in developing countries with remittance payments, um, corrupt governments that... Uh, 
where people were looking for more secure ways of um, holding money and transmitting money. And um, I really saw this as um, as a platform for social good and wealth redistribution. And um, that's really what made me an evangelist for the technology and, um, and got me curious in learning more and how this can be implied in, on a wider level. So that is my Genesis story. <laughs> I got to say, if I had to choose a bully, I want whatever bully made you invest in Ethereum. Right? I know. And it's like, <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's why it's really important to like, just like surround yourself with like geeky people because like they're always, they're always in on the net. Like, you know, everyone has that friend who's been doing things way before it was cool and they were tell they would tell you about it, but you never really paid attention. And then it blows up and like, I told you, you should have invested in X, Y, Z or did X, Y, Z. It's like, so yeah, no, it, it's good. Well, I mean, more often than not, that the geeky friend that's been doing something way before someone thought it was cool, isn't necessarily the the generalization of money. So, like, we got it, those are good friends to have. The guys who are like trying to figure out how to make money work better for the rest of the world. I mean, and 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 to be honest, like, I'm kind of curious as to based on them selling you on this type of stuff, what further implications or real world implications did you see as you started to become uh, further entrenched into the space, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I remember reading about what's happening in Mexico um, and particularly New Mexico and how um, this one company, and it's going to drive me nuts, but I'll probably come to make the very end of this conversation, uh, was developing a mobile economy and, incentive, and creating a new incentive structure um, for people to trade and buy goods. And, um, and this tokenization was something that I found brilliant. And I was really intrigued on, on like why this was a blockchain solution and like, could this use case be expanded further? And so the early, um, the early use cases that I came across that I found fascinating uh, were real things happening in developing countries. And then of course what's happening in Europe with healthcare. And, um, and I realized that this, this could be applied to everything. And um, that's what really excites me. Everything. I mean, if you're listening now, you're hearing it. It's going to change the world. We all know this. I think with, I kind of depressed actually because I have friends even within crypto that told me to invest in things and I didn't. And now they're that geeky friend. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, I should have taken that opportunity. Oh, it's not well. too late. It's not too late. And <laughs> I mean, if you don't have, I think, what is, what is Bitcoin right now? Like 9K? You don't need to buy a whole Bitcoin. You could buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. You can buy a fraction of Ethereum. Uh, you can get all your friends together and pool money and and kind of create a syndicate of sorts and build an entire crypto portfolio. Um, so it's it's not too late is what I really want to impress upon everyone. And you can get in at, at any level. There's also the aspect of like, like, you don't have to just buy crypto to become a part of this space. You can learn yeah. a lot. I mean, I, in, exactly. my, in my opinion, uh, 
Um, and this is what I try and tell people as much as possible is instead of like people always ask me like, what should I buy or what should I invest in? And it's more often than not, I think the answer is investing in yourself, like Mm -hmm. becoming as educated as possible about what's going on and how things work so that as this space starts to pervade more and more and more in those use cases that we are excited about become real, we can, we can apply whatever our domain expertise is onto the whole that is the blockchain aspect of that and provide some type of utility and then just get paid in crypto. And you don't like, I mean, yeah, of course, if you buy some now and it grow, and it grows in price, you may make a lot of money. But there is no doubt in my mind that if you are useful in this space over the next coming years, you'll reap plenty of benefits. I agree. I agree. And Right now, I think education is the barrier to entry and um, really how dispersed this information is and um, how there's so much bad information. Or when, and when I see bad, just like really not accurate information about that, uh, about how to navigate um, this, this world. Um, and what I'm really passionate about is providing access to um, that information and building community around that. So this could be part of a conversation and less speculative and less, um, you know, kind of latent in fear. I think the media does a really bad job of representing what blockchains are and what crypto and the potential of this uh, alternative currency is. So, um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in my evangelizing, uh, just providing like that easy access so you know other people can have their aha moment or their genesis moment and make decisions from there can you tell us of like any recent aha moments that you've had like have you been the bully now you've been bullied in the crypto have you been been bullied um i'm a little bit more sensitive about the actual bullying i I realize that this is you know there's a a tolerance level that people have and risk adverse level. Um, I'm just one of those crazy people that, um, I, you know, I usually kind of dive head first or feet first into something. Um, and I look at everything as a learning experience. So, um, I'm, I'm that person, but I, uh, recently, um, spoke at the women in tech summit Northeast and that was held in Philadelphia, which is where I'm currently based. And um, I did a workshop with the amazing Amy Vernon, who's the um, ecosystem development um, director for a blockchain company called Rivets. And we did a presentation on, uh, I mean, literally blockchain one-on-one, how it is disrupting your industry and what you need to learn to be part of this new wave. And, um, you know, one, we were very intentional when we were putting together um, the content for our presentation to not use jargon. Um, whenever we found an easy way to describe um, a term, we would say, okay, that makes sense to us, but how would this sound to someone who um, they don't have this context? And so we stripped jargon. We used very tangible examples, and we had... Uh, folks in our presentation just nodding and just like really enthusiastic. And one of the best things that happened to me at this conference, 
I walked two women through the process of opening a wallet. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. So um, it's really great when you're able to connect or present something and allow uh, the person who's getting this information to connect the dots and um, see like how far this could potentially go and how they can participate in this space. So that was just, that was just an amazing experience. Can you give us, can you give us an example of one of those? um, This is an easy way to explain this, but it's not right for the context of someone new that you've kind of ran into. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we hear, you know, I, I like to say SAT words thrown around like immutable, distributed ledger, trustless. Um, you know, people who are very intimate in the space. They kind of use these words and take it for granted. Um, but I wanted to distill further. And maybe the example that I used um, is not the most kosher example, but I, I did liken the experience to um, a Google Doc and um, having permissions on a Google Doc and editing and co-authoring documents. And um, that was a really great way of explaining, um, like, once you have this information, uh, you can't necessarily erase it from the master doc. Um, And everything that you add to it creates a new block. And um, while you know, Google Docs, you know, if you have a master copy and people are contributing to it, um, you know, that if you look at the document as a block while well, you're altering within that block. But, but the idea of having um, one true copy uh, resonated with the audience. And um, it was an image that explained, kind of added that contextual element that they were missing and that was more tangible. And so um, that was a, a use case that I, um, or rather an, uh, an example I used when describing um, information being added to a chain. Hmm. I'm trying to think about how, if I were the audience, how I would take that not being um, enthusiast like myself. I guess, well, I guess that's a good place to take it is you, you put on these events and um, you're on-ramping all these people. Do you ever run into like naysayers that are just, they, the first question, the first opportunity they get is they ask you a question to directly refute. Yeah. So it's really less about blockchains and they, so the naysayers mix up blockchains with ICOs and cryptos. It's like this mutants that they've constructed in their head because they've mm-hmm. received a lot of misinformation from the media and sensationalist journalism. And they're like, well, isn't it all just a scam? And I'm like, well, isn't what just a scam? And so what they're describing could be like, okay, if we take the ICOs, yes, there have been some bad actors in this space and unfortunately gave this entire industry um, put a cloud over this industry. And so we're, we're in this self-correction mode right now. Um, and I'm still very bullish that we'll be able to come to a consensus on how to regulate um, the investment portion of the space. But that said, yes, 2017, there's a lot of like, you know, bad shady things happening as it relates to ICOs. But is blockchain a scam? Like, like just the technology in and of itself a scam? No. Um, 
cryptocurrency scam? Well, I, you know, that's a pretty open-ended question. We'd have to kind of delve into deeper on why that's your position. Um, and I can, you know, definitely have that conversation with you. But it's, it's really, um, the naysayers are really just kind of combining a lot of tidbits that they've collected as they, you know, listen to the news or watch the news and, you know, JP Morgan said this, et cetera, et cetera, and um, kind of built that conclusion. That definitely, I mean, that goes back to what you were saying earlier about that there's certain things that we take for granted that other people don't quite get. And, and a lot of that is definitely the fact that blockchain as a generalized word of this entire space doesn't adequately portray the scope and the differences of all the things that are currently happening now. And we haven't quite come up with good names, I mean, or um, good narratives around those different spaces. Yeah, you kind of said cryptocurrencies or ICOs or blockchain technology or you know, things like that. But, but in terms of the media, it's really, it's really just, you know, blockchain or Bitcoin and everything else around that is the sentiment. And so when someone comes on or tries to figure things out, they have a lot of steps to get through in order to start realizing that some of these things may be a scam, but that doesn't mean like this other thing is. And like, I, I don't know where to go or how to start doing that properly. Do you have any, I, I'm sure you have experience with this. Do you have any ideas on how we start fixing it? Um, a number of ideas. And how can I get this to scale and reach the masses? Um, Figuring that out through events, through, you know, writing. Um, so you mentioned earlier, I'm co-founder of Women Plus Blockchain. That's a weekly newsletter. And we curate news um, that portrays uh, the bigger picture as it relates to blockchain. So uh, you know, the articles that we curate are anything from here's industry adopting the technology, um, Here's developing countries looking at blockchain solutions to solve X. Um, here's an amazing woman, woman founder who um, is leveraging whatever through blockchain. So we want to paint that broader picture. And um, it's called Women Plus Blockchain because we were very intentional on um, having uh, stating that you know, in tech, women play a very small role in terms of like the numbers represented. Um, and we want to highlight that women, we are taking a seat at the table regardless. We are, you're leaning in and uh, we're not going to let this technology be overtaken by the boys club um, that we are capable, that we are strong or powerful with a voice in this space. So um, while it's an inclusive site, so, you know, our readers make up the gambit, I think we're pretty much split 50-50, which is it's great. Um, we are intentional in highlighting uh, women's voices. We keep, we keep uh, Corey, we keep finding ourselves in these diversity conversations for like the past three weeks now. It's been um, good, though. I, I, I like being a part of them. It's, it's a great conversation I, to have. I think it's a testament to like the industry as a whole that more of these conversations are are happening more frequently. And so I got to ask you, do you feel like obviously, I mean, you probably obviously feel like there's not an initiative, not enough 
of an initiative made for inclusivity. Um, but do you at least feel like there's progress being made? Because I'm like in this and it's just part of my every day, I see like the huge efforts being made by uh, my female colleagues to create spaces that are inclusive, um, create events that, um, you know, share the sentiment of we're all in this together and let's be more collaborative. Um, and, you know, so just kind of where we're having blockchain week, Friday kicks off um, a week of fun. Um, you know, I, my friend Jamie is hosting a women's blockchain conference in Brooklyn on the 13th uh, with all women speakers. And um, I think that's amazing. She also um, hosts a monthly uh, brunch called Strong Girl, um, which is not necessarily blockchain themed, but it's women entrepreneurial theme. And, um, you know, she's not the only one who's, who's kind of making the effort to, to do this and build this community. So I see it and I, I applaud everyone that I get to work with who, who are, they're, they're doing this and promoting this theme. Um, but at the same time, I also, on the other side of it, um, you know, work with, people who are doing the exact opposite of that and they're hosting events and their idea of like diversity. And it's where I, I had this conversation earlier this week. There's a conference that's happening um, in July on the East coast. And um, they literally like, we want to get more women involved. We're thinking about, you know, going to local modeling agencies and saying, you know, we would love to have <laughs> representation from, yeah. I mean, I was just like, wow, you don't <laughs> really even have to do that. Um, but like, they're still clueless. Like it's just a PR stunt for them. They're like, okay, we want to appear like we are, you know, pro diversity and inclusivity, but we're going to go about it in the most shallow way possible. So I, I get it on both sides. Let me, I want to ask a question about this because this is something I'm always interested in. And that is what, what is the case here? Is it women don't feel comfortable joining the space or are they trying to join the space? This isn't even like an and, or, but are women trying to join the space and then not being able to because of the lack of diversity or um, acceptance into it? Or are they finding a place they can go to that they'll feel comfortable getting over the initial barriers so they can then insert themselves and do what they want to do. Cause like in, yeah. in reality, I, I would, I wouldn't say reality. I, if we were to model this space and compare it to the tech space, I'd imagine the distribution is close to the same. There's not a shitload of techie women, but I hope that the women that are techie don't feel like they can't join this space because they aren't included. And I want to know if there is something going on like that, what is it? So we can put it on blast and get, put a stop to it. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think my entire career has been rooted in tech. So I've gotten used to just having to elbow my way into, into the space and like kind of stake my ground. But for someone who um, isn't coming from that traditional tech background and they're genuinely curious about blockchain, 
uh, it could be very intimidating going to a regular blockchain meetup where they really are the only woman or one of a handful of women, if that. Um, it could be a pretty intimidating experience. I mean, I've definitely had my share of conferences where um, I was the only woman. I was the only woman of color. And, you know, I, I, I think I've kind of got a, I think I have a tough skin, thick skin around it, and I just kind of forge on. So it's a little bit of both. So we're able to create like a, a space where it's less intimidating. It's, um, you look around like, oh, there's like people that, you know, that care what, you know, that are curious like I am. And um, I don't, I won't feel silly for asking questions or, you know, just, it feels a little less um, intense. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a really good entry into learning. Um, and we need to create those opportunities. Um, and that's why, you know, there's a, there's mixed feelings around should we have all women conferences or is that just kind of pandering and or perpetuating uh, the, the situation? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think until we're able to get like this, uh, uh, this conversation and that, and it's less about tokenizing women in blockchain and more about having a two way you know, conversation or dialogue around advancing this, this technology then yeah, we, we probably do need to still have um, events and and uh, conferences that focus on women and their experience in the space and how they got into the space. I think this whole discovery um, zone and having that open conversation is important. Mm-hmm. I do too. And and the thing is, like, you can't have mass adoption and not have women. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's just got to be as as many people as possible from all different walks of life as possible. Um, so, I one I'm glad that the there's progress being made because I remember we were speaking offline and I think you said when you started it was like 97 percent is white males and now that's down to 87 percent. Yeah. From what I believe, so there's progress being being made, which is a good thing. And then, um, oh, can you talk about the thing? So we talked about it offline, about how you tried to join an investors group, and they literally said, this is all 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 boys group. Yeah. Like <laughs> elementary school stuff. Yeah, it's like total, like, the little rascal, he-man, woman-hater club. <laughs> um, I think I sent you guys, like, a screenshot of that, that exchange. But, yeah, I um, – wanted to join this um, block like blockchain investor slash enthusiast Facebook group um, that was recommended because there's a lot of investors or what have you that are part of this. And, you know, when you work in this space, uh, it's, you know, you want to socialize with the ecosystem and kind of diversify your connections. And I, you know, submitted to join and uh, the response was like, Hey, Kelsey, um, sorry, we can't add you to this group because it's just for boys, but there's a chicks and blockchain group that you can join. I was like, let's sigh. So yeah, this happened. Mm. You know, something I nope. haven't really considered much. I mean, that that's, that's just dumb. I, don't, I as, as an investor, I wouldn't really like money has no color. 
but like, some like, women kind of have a additional problem, like difficulty in terms of um, being a minority group and having the inclusion problem is that, and this kind of alludes to what you said earlier when that guy was like, we want to include more women. So we went to the modeling agency and found some hot women. Like there isn't another minority group that has like a group you can go to, to find hot ex minority group anywhere. And so like the fact that things like that exist and sex sells and the mainstream media uses sex a lot and sex is typically, you know, identified with hot women makes it even more difficult for women who just want to be included to be included, be taken seriously because there's always that aspect of that along with it. Have you, is that something you've had to experience in your life or like, I'm sure you, I, I'm sure you have opinions on it. Yeah, for sure. And um, this is why I applaud the Me Too movement. I think every woman who's worked, who's worked, I'm not even going to caveat that in tech or what have you. Every woman who's worked has experienced some level of um, degradation as it relates to the way she looks or where she's from or, um, you know, having just prove herself and work a little bit harder to justify having a seat at the table. Um, the fact that this group that I was speaking with thought it was perfectly fine to say during this call, we're going to, you know, we need as many hot women in the room as possible as a way to justify, um, a gender, an even gender divide means that, you know, we, we haven't reached that whole equality or, you know, there are still people who are completely tone deaf to what's happening, um, so, yeah, absolutely, that is a huge barrier and kind of, you know, to your point is why, you know, I think it's still very necessary to have um, events that are for women so they can feel more comfortable when they enter this very new space um, and kind of test it out before they venture into deeper waters and experience kind of, you know, some things that are very unsavory. I try to even put myself in the same shoes and I can't. No one's ever said like we brought you in here because you look because you look good. I wish they'd have. You know, like, Maybe... you know, you got like you're doing this podcast. You like you have a voice for radio, but you have a mug for TV. <laughs> D, that is why they're calling at you. <laughs> That's right. That's what I like to tell myself anyway. Mm. Well. Um, I guess we can ask you our trademark question and I hope you're prepared because it's very difficult. Oh gosh. Um, okay. Don't sound too enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> in, in 10 words or less, can you describe blockchain? Gosh, guys, you know what? I knew you were going to ask this and I really should have written something down. Um, and I'm still at a loss on how to break this down in 10 words without using standard jargon. So um, I'm going to give a C student response and go, I'll turn in my homework tomorrow. Womp, womp. Womp, womp, womp. Oh, man. I need a soundboard. We never had one said, of those. No, <laughs> no. Womp, womp, womp. Wow. That's the price is right. There we go. Guys, you can 
technically the fifth in court. That's very true, but this is in court, so. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I okay, okay. Um, will you? What if I gave you ten words that I think sums up blockchain in general and string it together, and then give a further dissemination of on on that? Would that be okay? It's very funny because that would be answering the question precisely. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> all right, um, all right. Let's do a countdown. Blockchain, ten words. Okay, transparent. Um, distributed. Digital. Ledger. Shared. Um, trustless. Value. Consensus. Um, how many words? You're at eight. So, okay. Ah, okay. Let me start. Okay. Ledger, whose value is consensus driven? So maybe this was a sentence I tried to squeeze together. That's actually, yeah, that's, that, that about nails it. <laughs> yeah, that last one's actually good. We're just going to take those other eight words away and use that. Okay. Ledger whose value is consensus driven. Is yeah, driven by consensus. Driven by consensus. Okay. I, mean, I, I, I want to tell you why we asked that question. I don't know if you've ever heard our explanation, is that different people come to this space for very different reasons and how they view it and why they view it or why they care about it is also very different. And because the technology is so complex, forcing them to abstract it to small amounts of words typically gives you an idea on how they view things and what they actually care about. And that's the motivation behind asking the question. And and people squirm, so that's always fun too. (laughs) It's like being on the spot. It's like who wants like that that show, who wants to be a millionaire? I'm like, can I call a friend? It's like our Rorschach test, right? It's like, you know, word association. (laughs) Yeah. That's by far one of my favorite reactions to the Kelsey. How about instead of answering the question, I exactly <laughs> answer the question. Like exactly what I'm supposed to <laughs> Anyways, thank you very much for taking some time and swinging by the show. And thank you for your efforts in the community. Um, because, well, I mean, you focus on the community. And it's literally the definition of what you're doing. So thank you very much for all of that. Thank you for having me. And like, can I just like drop my comedian where I'm going to be next real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Plug away. Awesome. So um, Wednesday and Thursday, I'll be in D.C. speaking uh, with the Sayer Venture Portfolio Companies for their annual summit. And uh, the topic du jour is uh, the future of travel and hospitality is on the blockchain. So how blockchain is disrupting that space. Uh, so I'm really excited about meeting the group there and having that conversation. And then Friday, I'll be in New York City for the CDX Blockchain Summit. So this is like a great opportunity if you want to have a really contextualized view of blockchain and industry. Uh, we're presenting some of the biggest brands, uh, enterprise brands, and they are looking to implement blockchain solutions. So we're going to have a really big conversation around that. So um that's this week, and then you know next week's consensus and a lot of different launch parties. So yeah, I'm really really excited for what's coming up. That's right. 
I Wednesday, the 9th and the 10th. What? You're going to get this is great. So I, I look forward you. to seeing you there. Fabulous. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Enjoy your grub. <laughs> Bye.